you got your Bible? I want you to open up with Matthew 11 again. And uh, <clears throat> how many people get stressed out easily? Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Bill says, Bill's the honest one. He's stressed out all the time, you know. People come with all these things they want. <clears throat> and stress and pressure are part of our life. And Jesus has given some clear things about how we can deal with it. So he doesn't, you know, when you're stressed out and anxious, uptight, you don't live your best. And not only that, you, you find that you struggle in your relationships. There's overflow in your health. Things are not good when you're living like that. God doesn't intend us to live that way. Let's have a look at what Jesus said. We're using this as our core verse. I want to pick up again on the rest of faith. I want to touch something else today about the Holy Spirit. So here we are, Matthew chapter 10. And uh, have I got Matthew? Matthew chapter 11, sorry. Come to me, all you who labor in a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Doesn't mean you lie down and do nothing. Kingdom of God's always about work, but he got, he's talking about an internal rest, internal peace, in other words. In other words, although there's challenges and difficulties we face, there's peace inside. What a fantastic thing to be able to have. So come to me. So here's the thing you notice here, that uh, so many people don't have any peace. You meet people around, you find they're struggling, they're tormented, they're troubled, no peace. And the challenge that people have is to how to find that peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He said, come to me, I'll bring a peace into your heart. But there's a way that that happens, and we're exploring the way that that happens. Notice here that rest is a gift to you. In other words, this is something God has to give you, and when it's operating in your life, you remain at peace. You're actually in the middle of the storm, but you're calm inside. And not only that, he says it's something that you will find. So therefore, there's a path of discovery to find and then receive the rest that God gives. It's a lifelong journey, learning how to come to rest when we and I face pressures and struggles and difficulties daily and regularly. See, somebody nodding to someone else. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. I want to give you an important key to this rest that God gives. Here it is here. God is speaking to Moses, and he speaks to him. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Same words, I'll give you rest. But what is the rest connected with? The rest is connected with the tangible presence of God. Now, when he said that my presence will go with you, he was referring to a visible cloud of glory that was there on the tabernacle at day, and it was like a flame of fire at night. But you and I have something better than that. We have the Holy Spirit come to live within us. The same Spirit that manifested in a cloud of glory comes to live inside you. Before, he lived in a tangible way over the congregation. Now, he comes to live inside us. My presence will give you rest. My presence will be with you. I will give you rest. And Moses said, listen, if we don't have that, we're not going anywhere. Don't take us anywhere. Don't take us into conflicts and battles. Don't take us into any challenges. We need to have your tangible presence. You should never take for granted God's presence. It's something to be pursued, treasured, valued. He's to be honored. He's to be honored. He's to be honored. And you'll find, and we're going to talk a little bit about the, the keys around this. The, the first thing we need to see, since the presence of God is what gives us rest, we need to understand it's easy for us to grieve the Spirit that gives us rest. Have you ever thought that you might grieve the Holy Spirit and limit His work in your life? One of the tragic things is that when we grieve the Holy Spirit and His presence begins to withdraw, He never leaves us, but the, the, uh, the expression of His presence can diminish until you feel, God, where are you? 
Here's the tragic thing in the Bible is almost every time when the Spirit of God draws back or is grieved, most people don't know it. That's a bit of a scary thought, isn't it? Have you ever thought that you could be grieving the Spirit of God who has come to give you rest and empower you and you didn't even know it? And if you go on like that, that you didn't even know it, you end up religious. You end up just doing lots of activities and there's no life flow, no joy, no peace. The presence of the Holy Spirit brings peace and rest in our heart and brings joy in our life. So that anything that disturbs your peace, anything that disturbs your joy is a cause for alarm bells going off. Hello, hello, hello. Something's happening. I need to look at what is going on. The Bible says the flesh wars against the spirit. So when you are flowing with the Holy Spirit, the fruit is peace and joy within. When there's something has grieved the Holy Spirit and you're in turmoil, you'll lose the peace, lose the joy, and it's always your flesh fighting against that in various ways, which you may not recognize. Let me just give you four examples in the Bible of people who grieved the Holy Spirit or who lost the presence of God and didn't know it. And I know there's more, but let me just give you a few of them. That's really, just so you can see it. In Judges 16 verse 20, we saw it last week, it says about Samson. And it says, Samson did not know the Spirit of God had left him. He got very familiar with God's presence around his life. And God would come on him and help him at major times. And he didn't realize the Spirit of God had left him. What, what had happened? There'd been a dulling of his spiritual sensitivity through sexual sin, through things, lust that he allowed to rage in his mind and his thoughts. And because of sexual sin he was involved in, he gradually become desensitized to the Holy Spirit. Then there came a point where the Holy Spirit drew back, grieved. And at that point, if you follow what happens, he goes into terrible bondage and loses vision, loses whole perspective in life. So, and we're going to see this again repeated in the New Testament. The second one is found in Psalm 95 verse 10. Psalm 95 verse 10. And notice what he said, Israel grieved the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look what it says in Psalm 95 and verse 10. And Israel is an example for us. This is a whole congregation of people grieved the Spirit of God. And uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, verse 10, for 40 years I was grieved with that generation. Look at that, a whole generation God has grieved. And this is what he said. It's a people who go, ast go astray in their heart and don't know my ways. Now notice what God is saying is what caused them to be a grief. It, what caused them to be grieved is because they did not learn about faith. You see, they'd had years in slavery, and they were embittered by the bondage and the problems they had, and God drew them through a path to change them and prepare them. He wanted them to learn faith, to learn to trust Him, to meet their needs. And what happened was instead, this is what they did, they complained. They constantly complained. Complaining grieves the Holy Spirit. Yet people do it like it's nothing. Complaining about all sorts of things. And not realizing that when we complain, we are manifesting we do not trust God. We are manifesting our unbelief. And without faith, you can't please God. Well, I hear people claim, yeah, yeah, we should be given thanks. I'm grateful. You say, we'll get to that a little bit shortly. You run ahead. So notice they, they by unbelief. And see, here's the thing. What it cost them was that they lost inheritance, the, the things that God wanted to give to them, they couldn't enter. See, because they grieved them through their unbelief. Here's the third one. In Luke chapter 2, this is an interesting one. There's a lot in this particular passage. I'll just take out one, one thought of it. Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2. 
And this is Mary and Joseph. Now, this is an interesting one. Mary and Joseph. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 42 or 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. And supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey. And then when they sought for him among their relatives and acquaintances, they could not find him. And they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And it says, after three days they found him. Now notice, they walked away for one whole day. Now this is their child, you know, this is the saviour of the world. And you know, they got so used to him being there for 12 years. And then they've gone up, every year they've gone up to the, to the temple at the same time at the feast. Every year they've gone up, every year they come back. And, and they're into a pattern of familiarity and whatever. And so now they've come back, oh it's okay, he's in the crowd, he's there somewhere. And then imagine the horror after one day, their son that they've been entrusted with is gone. Now, any parent who's lost a child knows the freak-out feelings you get around that. You know, any child. Now, I mean, it's easy to leave kids behind. I know that. We've had enough of that in our own life. And uh, just as easy to leave them behind. And, uh, and then when you, when you, the moment of realization comes, you think, oh my, <gasps> where? And then now, you know, you've got this panic. Now, notice it took them three days to find them again. So here's the lesson. It's easy to become so familiar with God and the things of God that he draws back from you and you didn't know it. And it can take some time to reestablish yourself in that place of connection again. I think it took them three days. But the worst part is they didn't know it. Imagine, you're selected above everyone to bring the Savior of the world in. Then you lost them. I mentioned the prayer time that day. Father, we lost him. <laughs> Where he's gone. That's horrendous, isn't it? It's a real lesson to us. And uh, Jesus, of course, and the Holy Spirit uh, are one. So it's easy to lose the presence of God. Here's another one, Luke 19, verse 41. So they lost him because of familiarity. They just supposed he was there. Here's another one, Luke and Luke, uh, chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, it says, uh, verse 41, Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, and as he came near the city, he wept over it, saying, if you'd known even this day, uh, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. And then it says, these days will come when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, close you in on every side, level you to the ground, your children within you on the ground, and they'll not leave in one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So the Holy Spirit, Israel grieved the Holy Spirit because when God was moving, they were so stuck in tradition that they held on to the old and did not welcome the new. Now that's been historical that that's happened. And if you have a look at movements of churches, when God, when God started to do something different, tradition and holding on to what they valued from their past, they didn't move with God into the new things. That can happen to any church. Any group of churches this can happen to. History's full of movements that started with a move of God and ended up where God isn't there, but no one really knows it. No one's even speaking about it. It's like there's just routine and tradition left. And so these are, these are all warnings for us that we can, for a variety of reasons, lose the active, moving, flowing of the Holy Spirit if we don't guard our relationship with him. So the key thing then is about our relationship with him. So let's have a look in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So 
the thing that is a challenge for us, and this is where I want to really focus on, rest comes from the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is given to us to bring that presence, or He is the one who's present with us. Then I need to learn how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how to welcome His presence, how to draw and engage with Him. Notice what it says here, Ephesians 5 verse 10, and I'm going to read it from Amplified. Try to learn in your experience what is pleasing to the Lord. How about that? That's the Amplified Bible. Try to learn what is, uh, in your experience what is pleasing to God. So what he's saying to us is this. He's saying, make an effort to discover what pleases God. If you, if you are in love with someone, you normally want to find out what they like and what they don't like. And you know, you start going out with someone, seems like everything's all okay, and then you find after a little while they like some things, they don't like other things. And they go quiet when they don't like other things. Have you noticed? They go quiet. Have you ever thought that God might go quiet on you because he doesn't like some things? Have you ever thought if, if God has given you his spirit to help you in life, to be an overcomer no matter what happens, how important it must be to find out what he likes and what he doesn't like. And do the things he likes and don't do the things he doesn't like. Or put it right pretty quick if you do. Have you ever thought being a spirit-filled person is about discovering this exciting journey with the Holy Spirit, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and learning to relate to him and work with him and walk with him? Just say, how are you going to find out what the Holy Spirit likes and doesn't like. Well, a lot of it's by trial and error, but a lot of it's through experience. And so you have to begin to work with Him. Now, the Bible also helps us because it tells us things He likes and things He doesn't like. So you could even start in the Bible and say, I'm going to do a search. You're going to find what God likes and what He doesn't like. And things He likes, I'm going to start to put them into practice in my life more and more and more. Things He doesn't like, I'm going to try and be aware of it. And I ask the Holy Spirit, help me be aware every time I grieve you or hurt you by my thoughts or attitudes or actions or words, and I'll put it right real quick. What a great thing if we were to start doing that and become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if we're not led and filled by the Holy Spirit, then you're just struggling in your own effort, and that's where the struggles of life come. That's where we lose the rest. So inevitably, it doesn't matter what church you're in. Personally, we've got to learn what pleases God and what pleases Him, what He likes and what He doesn't like. How many know what one thing that pleases them? Yeah, one thing. What's that? Yeah, talk about, yeah. Faith! <laughs> without faith, you cannot please Him. That's a, that's a good one, isn't it? You can't please Him without faith. Has to, we have to constantly continue to exercise faith. Notice what it says, go down a bit further, verse 17. And I'll use the Amplified again. It says, don't be vague, thoughtless, or foolish, but understand and grasp what the will of the Lord is. Don't be vague, a vague Christian. Oh, I don't know, I guess I don't know what God's up to. I don't know. It says, don't be vague, and don't be uh, thoughtless. I don't know, I don't know. Uh, and, and don't be foolish. In other words, what does it matter? He said, but rather understand what the will of the Lord is. So it's a process, and we've got to walk through that process. So here's a few things that you could start. Now, there's, uh, as I sat down to think about them, I thought, what are some of the things I know he likes? One of the things I know he doesn't like, and I began to think, oh my, there's a whole heap of them. So I'll just, I'll just give a few things that can help you. But these would be great, easy things. First thing to do is to make him welcome. To make him welcome. He loves to be welcomed. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Thank you for your presence. I just love you. Please come into my life today afresh. Empower me today afresh. Make him welcome. Talk to him. 
He's within you, and as you talk to him, make him welcome. I just invite you to help me. That's such a simple thing to do. Make him welcome. Isn't it interesting with people that you know when you're made welcome and you know when you're not? And when you're welcome, you're very pleased. And when you're not welcome or ignored, it's quite painful. So why not every day? I mean, there's that book that Penny Hill wrote, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Rise up. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Another great day of victory. Rather than, oh no, it's time to get up again. See? That's what a lot of people do. Why not? Holy Ghost, you're here. It's a great day. It's a great day. We're going to have a great day together as you talk with me and we fellowship together. Today is another great day in God. See? So take him. Take him. Talk to him every day. Go, Holy Ghost, come, come around my life. Come around my life. I'm just walking down the road. Uh, just to pray, I go down the Path, praying for about an hour every morning and just walking there and I, and I met someone coming back I usually go early enough I don't meet anyone and I went back and I went whoa presence of God's all over you and I said yeah I'm praying I'm carrying on <laughs> I did carry on I did this person they got quite touched See? so here's the second thing that really helps us and that is this a childlike trust childlike trust you don't have to be smart to be a Christian you can be wise but God but it, God wants us to trust him. You know, in Matthew 18, it says, if you want to enter the things of the kingdom, you have to be converted and become as a child or develop childlike trust. You know, as we said in Hebrews 11:6, without trust, without faith, how do you please God? So I've got to come to him. Holy Ghost, I just need your help on this. I don't know what to do. And you just come like a little child would come. And they come, Dad, help me. I don't know what to do. Show me what to do. Come to him in a very simple childlike trust. Confident he's there. Confident he'll help. And asking him for his help, asking for his help. Learn to talk to him, invite him into those parts of your life. Express gratitude, express gratitude. You know how hard it is to keep being kind to people when they're just ungrateful? Ingratitude offends. A lot of people just take everything for granted. It speaks of a hard attitude of demand or, or entitlement or something. It's my right, why should I say thank you? You know, your mothers that are doing all these meals for teenagers every day, I want the teenagers to say, thank you, mum. That was a great meal. I said, what's this? Okay, well, you'll wear it. There you go. That's what it is. It's a hat. <laughs> Make your own from today. Think about it. See? You wonder what it was? It's a hat. So gratitude's a big thing. You know, we enter his presence with gratitude. Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, come into his presence with thanksgiving. So he tells us pretty clear, God loves it when we're grateful and we begin to praise him and thank him. That's the way to talk to him. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for helping me. Thank you, your presence is with me. Talk to him and show gratitude. Place value on him. Acknowledge his work in your life. That's not such a hard thing to do, is it? Notice these are all really simple. Here's another thing. Do practice listening to him. Practice listening to him. Listening is an art to be learned. It doesn't come naturally because we'd rather talk. Isn't that right? We'd rather talk. And the big problem is we talk and don't listen. So listening, it takes effort to listen. You have to train your heart to listen to the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it's usually very gentle, still, small voice, flowing pictures, thoughts, impressions. It's very gentle. So you don't hear much from him when you're in great turmoil. You've got to quiet down, focus your attention, listening for his voice. So here's an interesting question. What was the last thing he told you? And did he tell you to do something? Did you do it? Last thing he spoke to you. 
And uh, so uh, listen, practice listening to him. Listening's fantastic. Listening, you have to focus and give focused attention. So have a time of worship, and then just be still, Holy Ghost, Lord, just speak to me. Talk with me. What do I do about that? And begin to listen. Holy Ghost, you've got something to tell me. Oh, you read the Word of God. Holy Spirit, you wrote this. I don't understand it. Speak to me. Help me. Draw my attention to something that can help me today. It's quite, you notice it's nothing sophisticated. It's actually almost like childlike, isn't it? It's being childlike in this faith with him that seems to be able to draw his presence around. Ask him questions. Ask questions. Look what it says of Jesus. There's an interesting thing of Jesus. Luke 2. Come back here into Luke chapter 2. There's a lot in this Luke, this passage. But let me just show you something else in here. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse uh, 46. They found him uh, after three days in the temple or the place where the presence of God is. Notice what he's doing. Sitting in the midst of teachers, both listening and asking questions. So Jesus listened a lot and asked a lot of questions. In fact, you look at his ministry, he asked questions all the time. So ask questions. See? They found him in the temple asking questions. It takes a bit of skill to ask questions. Ask him the right thing. You ask him, why? Why is it happening? He won't tell you that. So Holy Spirit, what do you want to teach me? Holy Spirit, what's happened that I need to know? Holy Spirit, draw my attention to the things I need to be focusing on right now. Holy Spirit, in this conflict, what's my part? See, if you talk in just simple childlike way and a submitted way, you'll be amazed how he will talk with you. And, and sometimes we need to accept his silence. How many knows God sometimes doesn't talk to you at all? That I hate. I hate that so much. It's hard when God doesn't speak to you. And you just wonder, you go through all sorts of things. There's reasons why he does that, but sometimes he is just silent. Notice here with Jesus, here's an interesting question. You could ask, now this one here, I don't know what to make of it all together. But how come Mary and Joseph didn't know Jesus was staying? There's only one reason. He didn't tell them. That raises a few troublesome questions, doesn't it? Jesus, the near teenager, didn't tell his parents he was going to stay overnight and have a sleepover. That doesn't go down well with any parent, does it? So it's hard to understand, but we just recognize that sometimes God does not tell us everything. And it can be quite offensive when you don't get an answer when you really desperately need one. And I've observed over my walk with the Lord that I'll have some things where God is talking quite strongly and directly and specifically about, and the things I really need the help is this deathly silence. I can't understand it. It's horrendous. Because on one hand, God's moving, and I'll get words for people, all kinds of things that go there. But what about one for me? And then He's not saying anything. And this is, and then you think, then you think stuff. And then you go through all kinds of turmoil inside. But what it does is it forces you to search for His presence. You make a decision in the midst of that silence to search for His presence and notice and observe what is coming up in your life in that silent time. It says of Hezekiah that God left for a season to find out what was in his heart. So silences of God cause what's in our heart to come up to the surface and then we're able to engage with God and then suddenly the silence is all over. I've got many things I need answers to and some of them are actually quite critical. And I cannot get an answer. I just feel so wasted over that. I hate it. However, you've just got to continue to trust childlike trust. It's in God's hands. Amen? Yeah, I don't want to take it back. I need an answer. So this thing of needing an answer 
can become quite a driver and then we get offended with God and we grieve the Holy Spirit. So learn, sometimes he just won't give you an answer. He just wants you to walk in the last thing he gave you to do or just in the general principles. So those are some great things. How many could do those things? Could you do those things? They're quite so simple. And, uh, and there's more things there, but that'll, that's enough. Uh, what about some things that you should stop doing? And we go back into, into Ephesians chapter 4 and you find them all there. So we'll touch on them again. Ephesians chapter 4. Now don't grieve the Holy Ghost. <laughs> don't grieve him. It's writing to Christians. Here it is. Verse chapter 4. It says in verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If you grieve him, the word grieve means to cause him great sorrow. And he's a spirit of joy. So can you imagine the spirit of joy? Very sorrowful. Hurt inside. Grieved inside. And drawing back because you've wounded him. You've, 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 you've done things that hurt me. I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to come near that right now. I'm just staying over here. And you'll just blunder on your merry way trying to solve all your problems until one day you wake up, my God, when's the last time I felt the presence of God? Then there's tears and brokenness. and Then, Holy Spirit, where did I leave you? Where did I move and do things or say things or have an attitude that caused you to be grieved and lift off me? That's, you can ask that sort of thing. So, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. And it's got a whole list of things. Don't let any corrupt communication come under your mouth, but that which is good for building, that it imparts grace to the hearers. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as an offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 3, but fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, not even should be named or talked about as is fitting among the saints. Neither filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, which are not right, but rather giving of thanks. For know this, no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who's an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Whoa, that's straight stuff, isn't it, eh? We do a lot on all that, but let me just give you a few highlights in the thing. So now, as soon as you've grieved the Holy Spirit, you begin to lose the peace and lose the joy. You've got to go back and ask, what, did I, what happened, Holy Spirit? Where did I miss you? What's gone on? What's going on? We need to ask, how have I hurt you? How have I grieved you? And he may tell you things you don't like to hear. That's the, that's the challenging part of working with the Holy Spirit. I like it when he's just doing nice stuff, but then other times he's telling me about other stuff, and that's not so easy. You need to repent of this. So here's some, a few things, just simple things that are, are listed here. Number one, deal with bitterness. You need to deal with bitterness. Bitterness is a root that defiles. Bitterness is an important root. The answer to bitterness is repentance and renouncing judgments and forgiving. And uh, notice here with bitterness, it's a long-standing resentment. It's got a deep grudge and anger against someone, which in the end becomes everyone. Bitterness defiles. So we can't allow bitterness. Bitterness comes when you're disappointed, hurt, and you let it go down, and the resentment stays there, and it just sits there. You don't feel bitterness. It comes out in your words and language, and every time it does, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Sharp, terse words. Deal with anger. Anger is a root that destroys. Anger is a root that destroys. In Proverbs 29, 22, it says it's the source of immense conflict and strife in relationships. Anger. And so under anger, you notice here several things are mentioned. Wrath, which means literally blowing up and telling blah, 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 blah. 
I know someone who did that to me quite recently. Just explosive anger is incredibly destructive. Hurts everyone around, releases spirits of murder and violence against them. Uh, and then he talks about anger, which is a slow, smoldering resentment. That, just, just this thing inside. And you know, you just test the person after a while. And that people hold those sorts of things grieve the Holy Spirit. Clamor, it's just loud, angry talk, talking loud about your grievances and the things that you've done wrong. Man, listen, start to listen around. You've got people doing that everywhere. It grieves the Holy Spirit. If someone's doing it, don't get involved in it. Quieten it down and calm it down and find out what the real issues are and stop people blaming people, get them to face what they need to deal with, what's in their own heart. Third thing you notice here is to guard your tongue. It says it in different ways. Don't let corrupt words come out of your mouth. Then it goes down a little bit further, uh, evil speaking. And then it goes down even further and talks about bad jokes and unclean jokes. So essentially, it's, it's communication that just is negative and destructive. It's communications that defile. It's running people down. To evil speak means to slander someone, speak against them. You may not even have the truth or the true facts, but you're running them down and their reputation, you're stealing from them. It also refers to filthiness or unclean conversations, smutty jokes. Everyone may laugh except the Holy Ghost. He won't laugh. He's withdraw. If we value the Holy Ghost, we need to start to listen what's coming out of our mouth, what we're engaging in, and then take the Holy Ghost side. If there's any benefit of the doubt, give him the benefit of the doubt. And don't get engaged in those things and shut them down. Quite surprising, interestingly, if people are telling coarse jokes and they suddenly realize you're a Christian, they'll suddenly shut up and say sorry. Isn't that interesting that already they know that they've done something wrong? And how much better if we pick that up in our own heart and don't get part of it. Malice just means ill will. You've just got a holding something against someone and you want to see them pay. And then the last one, a couple there to mention, we need to deal with greed. Greed, it means I want more and more and more. Greed is idolatry. Greed means if I, I just need more of something. And that thing of greed is only gotten over by being thankful and over gotten over by expressing appreciation and celebrating with others instead of being resentful. Then the last one there is sexual uncleanness. Sexual uncleanness grieves the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of holiness. He is the spirit of grace. Let's not grieve him by allowing unclean stuff to rest in our mind and heart or become part of our conversation and our talk. It's so easy for it to happen. But if you imagine if you were to live your life saying, I want to live my life so I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit at all times. So I'm aware of his presence, and people are aware his presence is with me. What a great way to live. And the plus is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Wonderful peace, wonderful joy in the Holy Ghost. How great to have the Holy Ghost around our life. How great. But he is a person. You can learn how to work in the gifts of the Spirit and never build a love relationship where you are empowered to win in your life. God wants us to win in our life. And it only comes by the power of the Holy Ghost working in us. So I wonder what it is that God is speaking about here today. Let's just close our eyes. I want to ask you this question. What did God touch your heart on today? What is it needs to shift in your life? Are there some things that God wants you to do in terms of this is the thing you should start to do? Cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Start to do these things. Or are there some things that God's speaking to you need to put out of your life? What are those things? Here's the last question on that. What are you going to do about it? What steps will you take that the glorious Spirit of God who's coming to live in you and abide in you might have room to rise and fill you 
empower you. What will you do tomorrow to allow that to happen? I've been working for quite some time on my life to become sensitized to the Holy Spirit, to become aware of the things that desensitize me. Perhaps there's someone here today who doesn't even know Jesus Christ. You've never, you're separate from God, but today could be your greatest change when God gives you His Spirit. His own Spirit comes and lives, joined to your Spirit. You become born again and alive. That would be wonderful. Great change. Would you raise your hand if any person here today is at that place and making a decision to receive Christ? Just raise your hand. If God spoke to you in some way today about some things to put on or to put off, things to do or, or things to just begin to guard yourself, why don't you just raise your hand and say, God's speaking to me today about those things. God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless. Well, I would, one of the greatest delights I would have would that you would experience His Spirit in a greater measure. Experience Him in a greater measure. Experience Him. Why don't we just stand together, shall we? Just standing with the hands. The Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, let's ask Him. Just ask Him. Talk to Him. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray. Open your heart to Him right now. I sense that some of you that God has just started to come on right now. I'd love you to come up on the front. I'm going to lay hands on you. I just uh, believe in the power of impartation. I'd love to just pray and impart to people. You've got that hunger rising in you for the Spirit of God, a hunger to come to rest, a hunger to know Him more intimately. You say, God, that's me. You're speaking about that today. Why don't you come up? I want to lay hands on you, just give you a power boost to get started. Would you come? Just come. Come on, just lift our hands up. This is time for a fresh movement of the Spirit of God. Fresh movement of the Spirit of God. Come, there's others need to come. Others need to come. Others need to come. Make a response to what God is speaking today. Or ask yourself, what in me is so dull that I don't even hear God anymore? Come, 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 come. Have somebody come and catch for me just in case people fall over. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lynn, do you want to come just lay hands on people also? Holy Spirit, just come and touch her. Pour your anointing upon her. Fire. Let fresh fire come. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh anointing. Open her eyes. Give her fresh visions. Fresh zeal and reason for living in this next season. Fresh purpose. Come, Lord, touch her. Touch her. Touch her. Touch her. Open her eyes, Lord, to see more. To see more. To see things in the Spirit. See things. Give her visions. Let her see. There it is. Open eyes. Open eyes. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, Lord. Let the power of the Spirit of God just come on her. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, Lord. The Spirit of God come over her life. That's right. Just let go. Let go. Let go. Thank you, Lord. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, Lord. One of the great things in moving in childlike faith is just letting go control. Allowing life to flow with the Spirit of God rather than trying to make people and circumstance yield to us. Holy Spirit, just come and touch her. Thank you, Lord. Come and touch her, Lord. Put your spirit on her life. That's right. Let go. Let go inside. Just make the decision inside to let go. Spirit of God, you love her. Touch her with that love right now. Jesus' mighty name. Let her feel your presence. Like rain coming from heaven. Thank you, Lord. Touch her. Touch her. Pour your spirit in, Lord. Pour your spirit in. That's right. Just let go. Relax inside. Let the things go to him. As soon as you let go, 
the rest will come just straight away. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for a great presence of God. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, touch it. Spirit of God. I really love and value your prayers this coming week. I'll be in Singapore, and uh, I fly there tonight, get off the plane straight into a meeting, Bible school meeting, be about six, 700 students all hungry to learn, to encounter God. Really value prayers this week. Thank you, Lord. Come, touch, 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 touch. Holy Spirit, come, come, come. Come, Lord.